1: And this is You've Got
0: Five Options. Yay! Yes, this is You've Got Five Options, guys. And we didn't say it together because... We decided spontaneously now that
1: Marta will be saying that. Okay. We can also, uh, you know, alternate, take turns. Each one of us can have the right to say. Sure. Yeah, that, that sounds good. Yeah. Okay. So
0: hello, everyone. We are welcoming you to yet another wonderful radio show by, by You've Got Five Options. And we are like usually solving yet another life challenge. And this time, we are still solving the same challenge because we, as you have noticed, usually we solve challenges in two or three episodes. So this is episode two of Jack's challenge. And the challenge was about an abusive boss. So I think we will start with uh, refreshing
1: it and Marta will read it again. Yes, here comes the challenge. Not long ago, I moved to Denmark where I had to find a new career path. I live in a small town and I can't work doing what I used to do before. So I got a job as a handicap helper, working for a woman with two children in her house. The person I help is my employer and she is in charge of the whole thing, from schedule making, the delegation of the daily task and supervising my performance. I've been in this job for nearly two years and at this point I have had enough of it. It is the result of more than one irregularities concerning her performance as an employer, her lack of manners, making you do things that are entirely out of the responsibilities stated in a contract, and her obsession with controlling every single thing that you do. This has pushed me to take the decision to look for something new, which hasn't proven that easy so far, and I am not able to leave this job until I have found a new workplace. What I'm finding challenging and I would like to help me with is how do I cope in the meantime? emotionally with the frustration that results from her abuses and unfairness until I find a new job.
0: Yeah, that's that's quite a long challenge. And I think it's uh, also rather complex. And I would also say it's uh, it, it was rather emotional for us when we were discussing it in the first episode. By the way, guys, you can always revisit the previous episode on our YouTube channel by going on YouTube, uh, that's obvious, typing in you've got five options, subscribing to our channel, you can find all of our radio shows over there. And uh, if you have missed the first one, then you can always go and listen to it. But uh, yeah, we, we had quite a discussion last time because uh, it's it's really, um, I would say disturbing. Uh, if i may say it's a, it's a disturbing challenge because it it has something to do with a, with an abuse at workplace emotional abuse and the person that is um, the employer is also handicapped
1: Handic- jesus <laughs> that was a really super english okay uh, handicapped
0: handicapped how- <laughs> Uh, Yes, I'm from Poland and I'm not afraid to show it, obviously. So, uh, yeah, I'm trying to be serious here because we, we did have a serious discussion. But, you know, guys, this is You've Got Five Options. So let's just let's just be prepared for everything. And in the first episode, we have discussed first two options. Option number one was to quit today now. And we were talking about how important it is simply to, you know, leave toxic situations or relationships even working relationships and then we also had option number two which was seek for a legal advice or advice in general and here we also had a discussion that not only it's, it is important and valid to seek for the legal advice but also to seek for help from your friends for instance or close ones because in situations like that I think it's very important to have support am I on spot here guys yes yes Oh, my God. (laughs) They are very talkative today. I hope they will talk more. Will you talk more, guys?
1: Well, for now, it was a a summary, right? It was a sum
0: up. Exactly. So guys today and Jack, if you are listening, and I know that you are, I would like to say that we will discuss the other three options, which are probably more related to the question that Jack has uh, imposed, because he asked, how shall he cope with emotional frustration, In the meantime, because he already has made a decision that he wants to quit. So uh, it's not like he wants to keep a job and how to survive, but he wants to quit. He is looking for a new job. But in the meantime, he has to keep this job. Then we have a couple of ideas, three to be precise, on how he can cope with that emotional frustration. Idea number three was to emotionally detach from a situation in the name of uh, do what you need to do until you can do what you want to do. Option number four was, well, I called it Cosmic Mambo Jumbo. And I called it like this only because I think this is a new way of thinking. It's um, a very connected to holistic outlook on life, that everything is energy and healing yourself deeply and, and stuff like this. So here we will be talking about emotional freedom techniques. And the last option is, oh my God, what was the last option, guys? Rethink your career. Make a plan for the future and stick to it every single day. Okay, guys, so now I would like us to discuss option number three. Which is not a surprise, meaning emotionally detached from a situation. Do what you need to do until you can do what you want to do. And I think that this is something that many of us do. I actually think, Marta, we have discussed this accidentally today about emotional detachment from situations, about being more distance and aloof uh, towards different things in our life yes. that might be disturbing. And um, this is, um, I would say, a coping mechanism. And it can work for a longer uh, for a shorter period of time. But I'm not sure if it can work for a longer. Nevertheless, if the situation that you are in Jack will not last for a long period of time, maybe this is something valid for you emotionally detaching from a situation is pretty much trying not to take things personally. So trying to build some kind of a, a, a barrier and just repeat to yourself, this is temporary. I don't care. It's more like I don't care, you know, like trying to totally lose the feelings, repeating yourself, the mantra, you know, this is temporary, I will get out of it, I have to do whatever I need to do for the time being, and this will be gone. But I think it only works for a short period of time.
1: Well, I would say that, yes, we have been talking about emotional detachment today. Mm -hmm. And we have been talking about that this is a coping mechanism. And Mm -hmm. this is a coping mechanism that uh, many of us switches on when we are not ready to cope with certain emotions, when we go through some kind of a trauma, some kind of abusive situation, some difficulties in our life, when we are not ready to face it, when we are not able to cope with our emotions, then we emotionally detach. And it is a coping mechanism and it serves us at the time when we are unable to cope with something. But I believe, this is my very strong belief right now, that no emotions disappear. Nothing disappears in nature, so to speak. So emotionally detaching from your emotions doesn't make them go away. You just stuff them. You just uh, battle you know, them or whatever you call it. You just suppress them and they will return to you sooner or later. So emotionally detaching as such does not serve us in the long term, as you have mentioned. But the other half of the option, do what you need to do until you can do what you want to do is a much more valid and positive part of this option where you can try to build your emotional resilience instead of emotionally detaching, but build your emotional resilience and cope with that situation as you go in a good way, which I think the next option will be talking about. But I would say, if possible, If we have the strength to deal with our emotions, I believe that it's in our best interest not to emotionally detach. That emotional detachment is only temporarily good if we are unable to cope with our own emotions. You can try to detach, uh, you can try to put some barriers between you and the person, but never try to do it between you and your emotions, because it's going to come back. It's simply they don't disappear. The emotions, they don't disappear. They come back to us.
0: I totally agree. And I think that option number four will be extremely interesting. We will discuss it shortly. But I also think, well, I usually use emotional detachment. That is actually my coping mechanism, guilty as charged. And I use it not only at the workplace, but I also use it in my private life. You know, we have different mechanisms. That's mine. It works for some period of time. It does. But uh, you are absolutely right, Marta. The second part of the option, do what you need to do until you can do what you want to do not only it's repeating yourself that you know this is temporary and this is what i have to do until i can do what i can do but also in a way helps me to look at the positive things in a situation that i'm in so for instance also, emotional detachment can mean don't take things so personally because sometimes when we are in a very difficult situation, we tend to clinch on those negative things. So, for instance, it's so terrible to go there. I don't want to cope with her. She will do this, you know, or for instance, overthinking that this will happen again, the day will be bad. Sometimes it's good to, to, to just sit back and say, okay, it is how it is, but I do have an employment. I have a salary for now and I am looking for something new. So this is just my tool to get another job and survive in the meantime. And maybe uh, then you can start to notice other things that are positive. You know, for instance, I am learning right now how to cope with a person who is difficult. I will not say handicapped, because I almost said handicapped But you know, then you can actually detach in a way that you start to look at, look at it a little bit more as an observer. So actually, you are like, okay, I can see that this is bad for me, and I don't feel good. But okay, how can I improve how, how to actually relate to that person? How to have a relationship with a difficult person like this? What can I learn from this? Or maybe how can I learn for the future not to end up in this situation? So that kind of detachment instead of really like going very deep into this is terrible i hate it i don't want to go there because if you have made a decision jack that you are staying there until you have a new job so you are not going for option number one so meaning like i'm quitting so you make a conscious decision that you are staying at this employment then just not to go in a spiral of a negative thinking Just trying to, you know, switch it a little bit more on a more neutral, observant attitude, thinking, okay, this is what I need to do until I can do what I want to do. And what are the bright sides of the situation and what I can learn from it? Does it make any sense for you guys?
1: I think it would make sense Mm -hmm. if Mm -hmm. it was not an abusive situation. Yes. (laughs) So all this that you say, if it was like a corporate job that you are bored at, Mm -hmm. that would be perfect tip in my point of view, Mm -hmm. uh, to that kind of situation, especially if a person already took a decision to leave. However, I am not a psychologist, I'm not a therapist, but it gives me a bad sensation, a bad stomach feeling when it's an abusive situation, Mm -hmm. because I believe that abusive situations, they produce trauma. So when you are bored at your corporate job, for example, And you temporarily choose not to go there. Then, you know, you can maybe try to rationalize these things. But I still have money. I still have employment and so on. In an abusive situation, I would be very careful with rationalizing, especially that you can actually try to rationalize your emotions. And And try to uh, rationalize your abuse. Exactly. And you can also talk yourself into staying. Mm -hmm. Because if you see all the positive sides, Mm -hmm. if you don't go into negative spiral, If you are, you know, finding all the good things about it, what if you talk yourself into staying? So that's why I would be very careful I I repeat it again. I'm not a therapist. I'm not a psychologist. I don't know much about what could be the repercussions of this situation. We also don't know how how abusive that is. But abusive is used. And as soon as abusive is used, even if it's a minor abuse, it's still an still an abuse. So I would be very careful with this. So it's a valid option to consider, but to think about it. Yes, so that you don't talk yourself into staying there, so that you don't emotionally disattach from your own (laughs) emotions, because they will not disappear, they will just be suppressed. And uh, rationalizing emotions doesn't really work. You will still feel what you're feeling inside of you. You can rationalize your mind, mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. but emotions are a different part of you. And that's something that I would be very carefully watching myself to avoid in any way prolonging yeah. this situation.
0: I, I agree with you Marta in a, in a principle but also not in a principle. I think the key here is that uh, we don't really understand or don't have enough information about the type of an abuse uh, that Jack is going through so I think it also depends on Jack if you are listening you know we, we, we just gave you a very nice piece of discussion here and you know what kind of abuse we are talking about. Uh, Jack you know your situation the best so so you uh, listening to us and describing this option and how you can implement it, you can actually make a decision if this is something valid or we have to go further. Alassa, do you have any comments or you are just
2: emotional disattachment? I think I agree with a lot of you said about you can try and view. I mean, of course, we focus on that. This is a very complicated situation with the added layer of uh, the word abuse being used but yeah if it's a corporate job it's a different discussion you know then it's a very valid option to try and view your life at this is something temporary and it sucks right now but at least i'm getting paid and it can give me a little time to think about what else i want to do and i'm still can pay my pills uh, bills and stuff like that um, or, or pills. Actually. yeah, pills <laughs> if it's that bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, then it um,
0: doesn't make sense if you work.
2: Too but I, I don't know. I mean, yeah. it, no matter what, it's only a short- term solution because, like you said, you can't suppress your feelings. Um, mm-hmm. but it it can maybe in a short term it be like a, a way to manage your situation you know, and prioritize. What mm-hmm. do I need to do right now? And at least I have a job. But of course, there is abuse evolved. Uh, don't uh, push down your emotions or yeah. like.
0: So maybe you will like option number four more, Lassa and Marta. Well, uh, I like this option. And I have to say before I will start because I called it Cosmic Mambo Jumbo. Cosmic Mambo Jumbo. 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 And I do feel a little bit guilty because I don't think this is mambo jumbo, but that was a more like a, a funny way. We were always putting that kind of alternative. M- alternative things. So this is our way of, you know, this is not disrespectful because we actually practice that and we, we study that. So here I mean all kind of emotional freedom techniques. And I wanted to talk about two of them in more detail. But actually, what are emotional freedom techniques? It's alternative medicine claims, tapping the other one. Is called uh, thought field therapy, uh, acup- acu- acu- help me, acupuncture, acupuncture, neurolinguistic programming. So basically, those are those alternative techniques that are allowing you to gain an emotional control or healing of a a kind. You can self-heal by applying those those techniques. And the first technique that I have heard about a long time ago, actually in a radio show, that was treating about all kinds of alternative and paranormal things. I I love that radio show, by the way. It was Polish. A guy had a guest uh, who was... um, I think she was in this uh, neuro-linguistic field and she was talking about positive verbalization and you know we heard so many things about how important positive verbalization is and how we should actually express ourselves so uh, we actually can send a right message to our subconscious uh, however she actually said about a method that involves a relation with other person and she called it, i probably there is a better translation, a broken record method so whenever Whenever someone comes to you with a negative comment or something that sounds really like unnice or tries to argue with you, you calmly repeat the same message over and over again. So, for instance, if someone speaks unnicely to you, you just reply, "I would like you to speak nicely to me." Or, for instance, if someone is disrespecting you, "I would like you to respect me." Or, "I would like you to trust me that I do things in the right way." It, it sounds at the beginning pretty silly. But she actually made a lot of research and she said that after 150 around times when you replied this to a person because she was solving cases within marriages, when, for instance, you know, one partner was verbally unnice or abusive and the other partner was keep on repeating, I would like you to speak nicely to me. Actually, after sometimes it works, that person starts to uh, reprogram the way he or she responds because it's it's that kind of heterosuggestion, you know, very interesting concepts. Uh, I have not tried this one. What do you think about this, guys?
1: I do it all the time. You do it all the time? Yeah, I try to, uh, you know, guinea pig it with my kids. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So because I think sometimes, let's say when children have a behavior that you don't necessarily enjoy in your life, you can try to repeat how you would like them to behave instead. And it actually works. Because if I try to use, uh, I think this is actually the perfect example. If I try to tell my kids, don't do it, whatever, I don't know, don't shut the door, the brain actually hears the shut the door part. I found out about it very long time ago. If you tell them close the door quietly, they are much more equipped in doing this in the right way. I have been testing that in many different levels very much. And I totally see it in everyday life, that it totally works. I have to say that, of course, there is a different level of uh, how quickly it works, because there are some things that can work almost immediately it's even amazing with this kind of thing that I told you about kids, uh, that they actually immediately change the behavior and close the door quietly. And there are some things when they are more deeply rooted in our subconscious mind, then it takes a very long time to change it. So for example, if someone already has, let's say, anger issues, and they are shouting at you, it's not gonna probably help just by repeating it a few times if it is a very deeply rooted pattern of behavior. So of course, sometimes it is something that requires a lot of work. Sometimes it may require healing. Okay, guys, I must say I am totally a geek when it comes to like (laughs) neurolinguistic programming. I am fascinated with those topics. I have been studying them. I have already signed up for a course and I'm doing it in 2019. As soon as I'm done with coaching, I'm gonna do the neurolinguistic programming. So I am very much, you know, working with it in my everyday life, with myself, with my children, with people around me. So I will better just shut up.
0: No, Marta, I think it's actually quite fantastic. I When you were talking about even this example of don't shut the door, I remember this very old example of like if I will tell you not to think about pink elephant, what is the thing that you are thinking about.
2: Of course, a pink elephant.
0: It's, of course, Mm. a pink elephant. So actually, I think there is a huge power in words. I totally believe in that. And actually, from my own very personal uh, uh, feeling and and experience, I I am a writer. So, you know, I actually put a lot of uh, power into words. So I I know that they are very, very powerful. So uh, that was actually a great example. And the way we, we phrase things, the way we talk, I was also thinking that sometimes, You said that sometimes it's just a matter of changing phrasing something and the difference is straight away there. And I think that that comes when we have those trigger words in ourselves. Like, for instance, if someone will call you, let's say, over controlling, and that's the word that triggers you. Like, for instance, you you don't like to hear that because, you know, you have um, experience with that and it's something that you struggle with. Let's say that you are arguing with your husband and he calls you in arguments over controlling, maybe he subconsciously know that he would upset you with this. And that triggers you and you get straight away, you know, into a, a fight mode. But if that would be used differently, like for instance, I would like you to let go sometimes a little bit more for both of us. It's, it sounds totally different. If you ask someone to let go a little bit, then you are over controlling. Am I making an example here that everyone understands?
2: Yes.
1: For me, it's very much like uh, a really great way of doing it is to actually use uh, the other person's language, Mm -hmm. including body language. So it works the best if you are trying to work with another person, Mm -hmm. because there are two layers here. You can do it for yourself when you are applying it for your own healing, Mm -hmm. or you can do it towards another person if you want to fix the relation between the two of you. Mm -hmm. So the best way to do it is to actually use their language, use their body language, use their tone of voice and so on. It's Of course, the phrasing is very important. Mm -hmm. But if you do it in their level, in their language and in their and it is to be mindful here that if their language of over controlling is triggering, then even though it's their language, don't use it, meaning their positive language. So using what would be good for them, what would be the positive side Mm -hmm. of uh, this for them? That's a really like a. Great level, because people then recognize this is theirs, they are more in a comfort with it, mm-hmm. and they will be much more likely to also listen.
2: Mm-hmm. Because
1: uh, when it's their language, when it's their level, when it's their mimics and so on, they are much more likely to uh, subconsciously, subconsciously start Really deeply listening to what you're saying. Wow, that's that's really a great one. However,
0: I guess it requires quite a practice, or at least an observative nature, because you, as you said, you it's about mimicking the language. So you actually have to put a little bit of a, an attention in observing your counterpart, right? Did you try it, Marta?
1: Yeah, I have been working with it. Yeah, as I say, I'm like uh, totally, you know, uh, a sucker for all these methods. So yeah. I definitely I put a lot of uh, attention. I observe people. I try to practice mm-hmm. how it works. And for example, I'm usually quite an enthusiastic person. I raise my voice, I raise my pitch, and so on. And I have noticed that for some people it's great, and they uh, they become more motivated thanks to it. But to some other people it shuts them down. So for example, if I want to uh, communicate with those more quiet people, and so on, I actually relax my body. I look how they, you know, how they place their body. I try to use a similar tone of voice. I know down uh, my pitch and the communication just opens. It's amazing. It's really, really amazing. You, you are scaring me right now. Whoa! Are you observing me as well? And you are also doing that to me? Okay, I have to say that when I am with my best friends, I'm just trying to be myself. <laughs> I'm not trying to test in my close relations, unless like my, with my children, when I actually would like to change something because I think it doesn't serve us as a family. But I do do some of those things when I really want to listen. So, for example, when you are telling me a story i will more and more frequently also switch off my own behaviors and not giving you comments and so on but just really really listen and just uh, you know be there and nod to you whilst in the past i would be more likely just responding and mm-hmm. oh just you know kick his ass or of course some of these things when i think it's beneficial for the communication I will apply them. But I would say that I would not be mimicking your uh, body language or something when we are in a regular just having fun a glass of wine and stuff.
0: Yeah, that situation. Yeah. Okay. Uh Because I was wondering, uh, is that the reason why I always feel so comfortable and great talking to you? But uh, that's not the reason you are just yourself. That's good. No, but actually, it sounds kind of maybe a bit weird at the beginning. But it's I think it's a fantastic tip. Because you know, it actually like requires so some sort of a uh, thinking, observing and applying. So, um, yeah, I think a uh, really great advice, Marta. But for the Jack situation, what would we advise Jack here?
1: I would say that definitely when the boss gets like abusive, I guess I'm guessing here now she gets angry or something like that. Definitely trying to catch eye contact. And calm tone of voice. And like you've mentioned, this thing like, I would like you to uh, speak peacefully to me or speak nicely
0: to me. Yes. More.
1: And here again, because I would be usually observing the person and seeing which words they use and how they react to words, I would just pick the words that I know that are not trigger words mm-hmm. and calm tone of voice. Mm-hmm. And you, you could, for example, at the beginning, the person could still be like angry and abusive. You can say, I will leave now, I will go to another room, and I will uh, give you a bit of space. I will come back when you can uh, talk to me normally or in Mm -hmm. a nicer tone of voice or something. And uh, probably at the beginning, it would still be quite difficult and uh, require quite a lot of resilience from Jack, because probably with someone abusive, aggressive, it's not necessarily going to work in a moment, but it's something that would have to be repeated. And I think, you know, saying, look, I will leave the room now. I don't know. I will go to the bathroom now. And when you are ready to talk to me nicely, quietly, peacefully, calmly, whatever is the best word, just call me.
0: I think it's a great advice, Marta. And I think that uh, also taking uh, together the, the, the research that I have read, that if because you said it doesn't happen overnight, you actually have to repeat it and, and you have to be patient with it. But if we do take in consideration the research 150 times. And you can actually rewire someone, uh, someone brain and response. But guys, Jack, we will talk a little bit even, we will talk more about this in the third episode. So uh, stay tuned. And uh, well, not not all the time. Stay tuned. Just tune in when we are back on the radio. And uh, yeah, bye bye. Bye bye. Bye. You are listening to You've Got 5 Options Show where we solve
1: your life challenges Remember that you can visit our website the5options.com where you can submit your challenge or find our previous challenges That's all folks!